0: So real oh. quick, we, we kind of cut off last week. Uh, I, I wanted to make one last point on that and then other things.: Sure. Um, so we were talking about the racism and the homophobics and the bigotry and all that, and I was saying how we're at this point where, you know, in society where it's a big upheaval for a lot of those things, and there's sure. a lot of awareness and a lot of protests, a lot of marches and a lot of anger and fighting. Uh, I just wanted to make it clear. I wasn't saying I'm against any of that, and I'm not against people protesting and marching and any of that. My point, though, was for me personally, I don't need that to be aware and to uh, you know, have no problem with people. Unfortunately, the people that need to have their minds changed won't have their minds changed from marching and protesting and stuff. It, the only thing that's really going to change it is to continue as we're doing with all of that, the awareness and people changing their thoughts. But then over time, uh, more and more people over time, that's just how it is. And it'll change. That was just kind of my whole
1: point. I hear you. I, my, one of my biggest hopes for the future is the fact that um, generations change. And whenever people might be kind of scared of that future and digging in their heels, that you don't need to worry about that with the kids. They are getting more and more like, doesn't matter, black, white, yellow, red, any flavor and color, doesn't matter, gay, straight, you know, whatever, all the um, possibilities, all the gender fluidity. It sure seems that it's just a non-issue, that it's Billy's coming over to play and you don't know if Billy is a guy or a gal and it doesn't matter. And do you know what I mean? It's yeah. It's, I'm always heartened by the new normal of, wow, you don't need to worry about it. And the people that are, I don't know, kind of trying to force that on their kids, at least train their kids in it or project it onto them, I think they're going to be disappointed when um, (laughs) Billy's going to go to school, go into life, go into where that just has never mattered as much to them. Maybe even kids always seem to protest a little bit against their parents. Maybe that's going to be one of the things that they just say, you know, mom and dad, you were really into cars and i'm not into cars you were really into religion and i'm not you were really into bigotry and i'm not and i you know there's hardly any parallelism in the things that i just talked about but it all seems to be that way if you're a really good cook the kid just wants to find something besides following in your footsteps sometimes they do sometimes they do exactly the opposite (laughs) you know what i mean so oh yeah definitely (laughs) So,
0: so we were at put in bay over the weekend uh, yes. While well, you were enjoying a different activity, which we'll touch on, <laughs> but uh, it was Pirate Fest weekend, and there oh, was a pirate. Wow. Very cool. Okay, oh, yeah. there was a pirate walking around, had the hat, had the sword, walking around with pirate outfit. He had a full beard and a pink dress and high heels.
1: So oh, what a nice, interesting combo. Yes. Exactly that. You know, it's a uh, well the the last winner of uh, you know uh, Mr. Mensa. A, a thing they do every year at the annual gathering for Mensa has expanded to be Mr. and Mrs. Mensa, and if I remember right, uh, Jen and I think Savelski was the winner of Mrs. Mensa, and she was very much into piratitude and you know the costumery and all that kind of stuff. So not not quite the same as seeing a guy with a beard dressing up in the frilly <laughs> tutu and whatever else it might be. And yet, I think that it's kind of funny. You know, I I I don't know that I do that much cosplay. But I have almost always said, well, either I'm going to go like with the straight, I look like a Viking, I look like a pro wrestler, let's do that, or dress up like in, in my little ballerina outfit right. let people make of that what they will. What do they think of a six-foot-two, yes. 300-pound guy that likes to do a little pirouette? You know what right. I mean? It's
0: it, <laughs> When I was in Cabaret, the whole band dressed up in drag, and I looked pretty good.
1: <laughs> See, there you go.
0: <laughs> so, well, I was up at Put-In-Bay enjoying the wonderful... Yeah, bright sunny day and the heat and all that. You happened to be at my local comic book store, like a mile from my house, and I was you know fifty or in one hundred twenty miles away. Exactly.
1: Uh, so as you know, I, I had thrown out you know, hey, let's get together for lunch, and that's when you revealed, <laughs> no, you know, you, you and Gina were going to go a little getaway weekend. Right. So it, it was. I knew we were very close. I remember Rootstown and stuff. It was um, really cool. Adams um, Action Figures and Comics is right. in the local store, and they were having an in store with. P. Craig Russell and Matt Horack, and Matt Horack's work—I only know a little bit about because it's relatively current. Whereas P. Craig Russell has a forty-going-on-fifty-year career, yeah. maybe even fifty-going-on-sixty. He's been doing wonderful things for a long time, and he's the guy that I was there to see because I've loved his work for a long time, and it was wonderful. By that meaning, um, uh, lots of people stopped by, but not so thronging of a crowd that that people were pushing, and, and that frankly, that we didn't get—we didn't have to move on. We. Hung out and had a very nice conversation over the course of about two hours, of course, making room for other worshippers, other people that wanted to buy new product. You know, that's what the in-store is for, of course, right. is to generate a little bit of business and stuff. But he was so much what I was hoping for. You know, if when you do fantasy artwork and, and really beautiful, fine, detailed stuff, some part of it is you kind of got kind of to know what you're doing. You got kind of to know enough about all those fantasy works from which those images spring that you need to be able to like summon a really ogre looking ogre. Or if you're going to transport through the dimensions, it, it, can, it has to look good. You know what I mean? It has to be very much the suspension of disbelief. And so we hardly, I shouldn't say that. We talked, of course, about his work and his art, but the conversation raged all over the place because, you know, who were his influences? It wasn't necessarily other comic book artists. It was the folks that made posters for like the World Expos back in the turn of the century in 1920s. And it was children's book illustrators, you know, where they had that combination of whimsy and menace that when you used to read like uh, Brothers grim fairy tales, they're not happy tales. There's a lot of people getting like eviscerated and dropped down a well and stuff like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. It's <laughs> not all Disney. <laughs> yeah. It's not all Disney. And, and so we talked about travel and food and art and, He just was witty and eloquent. And, you know, uh, uh, Colin was there uh, chiming in often. So was Matt. So was Adam. It it was a really wonderful powwow. And not only I really think this, we, we hung out for two hours, but it wasn't like, okay, buddy, you're stalking. Time for you to move on. Instead, it was a really nice conversation. And about so many different subjects, and not so totally involved in the world of comic books that Colleen was, was you know, Colleen was there with me, and she didn't feel left out. And kind of, you know, okay, let the nerds talk it up. It was, it was really sweet. And I hope I, it sure seemed that they had as good a time as we did. You know what I mean? That the time flew, and when it got to be after four o'clock, they were like, oh, I guess I guess we're done. It wasn't like you're looking at the watch and saying, okay, move along, move along. So I I couldn't have asked for a better like venue they were right at the front desk it had lots of room to you know sign things and do sketches of course like i did uh, i mentioned you know hey the the baltus comic book collection and my cataloging software and system worked out really well because i was able to go look at well what do i remember p craig russell working on and it was here's some old elric of mel uh, from first comics from like 1980 you know i mean a long time ago and here's some old Doctor strange and some and so without being shoving this stack of stuff at him i I got like eight things signed that were a nice representative sample of his career some from night magic some from elric that kind of stuff um he had new work there that i was happy to buy and support him and support the store and you know just i don't know i it's kind of funny I, i even laughed about it when you get things signed there seems to be nowadays in the comic book world they actually have kind of signing events and things where you send them in and that somehow that adds value and honestly, I know I really don't care about that. Right. I, I was going to bring me. that up. I, I got a chance to meet Pete Russell. Right. And, and what I laughed about was, well, it just proves that I'm such a close personal friend of his that he signed exactly. my <laughs> Exactly.
0: Well, and, and I was going to mention that a lot of people go because they want big books signed and then they could throw it up on eBay, like before they leave the damn parking lot. And yeah, while you may end up selling it, your goal wasn't to add value and resell it. Your goal was to see him. And great, I got a signature. That's exactly At some right. point you might sell it, but it's not because of that. And yeah. I remember two times uh, the, the best things with me. It's when we met Stan Lee, when Colin got his signature, it literally was a line. You walked up, handed a book to the bodyguard, and you shuffled sideways. Right. And you said, hi, Stan. He goes, hi, how you doing? And signed it. Great. Good to see you. And you shuffled oh, yeah, sideways and yeah. someone else handed you the book back. That was it. Yeah. Well, there was the one time we were walking around New York Comic Con, and the kids were little, and Peter Mayhew was sitting there with nobody at his table. So we okay. went up and talked to him. For like 20 minutes, him and his wife. And and I'm like, okay, everybody talks to you about Star Wars and stuff. I'm like, so what other movies do you like to watch? What do you like to do? And we talked about other stuff. And I did the same thing once with Dean Haglund. Uh We had a conference yeah. in Rhode Island. And there was like nobody there. 21 people for the whole conference. It was so small. And exactly. so he's like, nobody's around him. It's like they were ignoring him. Like, are you people crazy? So he came up and he was talking to me for like two hours while Sounds we were right. eating. Yeah, it it was everything. It wasn't like just X Files. In fact, I don't think we barely talked about X Files.
1: Yeah, you know, and that's that's really what I tried to make this thing. with, uh, you know, uh, P. Craig, which is kind of like J. Lo. You know, we're on first (laughs) first name plus initial basis. He was first, exactly. It. uh, I really, I, I, of course, wanted to, you know, some part of the expectation is my telling him which of his stuff I really admired and what were the influences and so forth, and yet it didn't just stay there, and I didn't keep drilling down more and more into so why did you draw his left foot this way yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? we made fun of that but i remember reading about dave sim who did Cerebus for like 300 issues and that he used to he had people that really really overfollowed him they really did examine every single panel and had all kinds of just particularly not like contentious questions instead of admiring questions and i so i just it was what music do you like listening to yes. while you work you know uh, where have you been that you uh, had so he mentioned, you know, there is this tree that he saw, a wonderful old gnarled, maybe like a bristlecone pine or something, you know, the trees that really look like they yeah. got ears on them. And that became the reference material, the inspiration for um, Yggdrasil, you know, which is the world tree in Norse mythology. And that's right. exactly what he's working on currently with Neil Gaiman. It was fun to hear about, you know, Neil Gaiman came and said, would you work on this with me? Because everybody in the world admires Neil Gaiman, and Neil Gaiman admires me Craig Russell and wants to work with him. The comic book world is kind of funny and um, interconnected, maybe a little gossipy, but it has all kinds of fun stories. And so they shared various different interactions they've had over the years. Never in a mean way, but definitely there are people who are easier to work with or harder, if you will. And I had a chance to mention a couple of stories, as you just mentioned. You know, when I used to go to Comic-Cons and they started to have movie stars were coming and professional wrestlers were coming. And then here I am with like Gene Colan is sitting by himself. Right. Martin O'Dell, who created the first Green Lantern, and like I am so happy to not only have a chance to just meet you, but I get to talk to you at length because everybody else is over <laughs> with Billy D. Williams, and wow. I know Kendall Rising is just the hottest hot currently, but these guys are the giants. They right. created this this mythology. So I, I mentioned also I had a chance to talk to Jim Steranko recently right. in a similar way. That just anyway, I, I well the thing for me is okay,
0: you know we, we met Stanley. Uh, you could have met Billy D. Williams. Would would it have mattered to their lives at all? Did it really matter to yours to say, "Hey, how you doing? Great. I love your work. Okay, good. Talk to you later." Uh, done and over with. But when you get to sit like you did for two hours with B. Craig Russell, he'll remember you. Probably there's you know you, there's some memory there. You've enhanced his life. You know, and hopefully, I, I
1: hope so. hopefully. You know, and I, yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. Uh, people, somebody recently just used the word. I'm very affable. You know what I mean? That I'm kind of fun and approachable. And that's what I tried to be for him that I didn't want to come across as too shy. I'm no longer a fanboy. I'm kind of grown up and I do have lots of experience and knowledge in the thing, but I still have enthusiasm for it. It's not like I'm jaded either. Right. And so I tried to share that with him. So happy I'm here with you. And I i, I think I know we must have met at one of the past comic cons or Wizard worlds in Chicago, right. but you know, it, it, it still is. It's kind of funny. He might be one of those guys where he's not prolific. And so instead of being someone that everybody knows about him because he's got a, a thousand issues of the Avengers or something like that, you really have to like the particular things that he loves working on and then see, you know, b- besides him, one of the things we talked about was um, I, early on in my comic book life, it was fun to be able to start to recognize various different artists that mm-hmm. they weren't interchangeable, that like nobody else's work looked like Gil Kane or Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko or P. Craig Russell. Right. And maybe there's a little bit of like Charles Vest does some things a little bit like him. There's others I could name that have that same interesting ability to capture fantasy. You know what I mean to do other right. dimensions or mythical creatures and stuff. And yet, you know, you can look at a page and say that sure looks like Pete Craig Russell. That Colin looks does cool. that yeah. because they're beautiful. You know what I mean? It it's kind of funny. He has not only the the artistic talent of drawing things, but like the sense of composition and the story flow and how to do macro, micro. I I just even, he even talked through one of those sequences he did for the Ring of the Nibelung. He did an adaptation of the Wagnerian opera. How cool is that? And that he kind of talked through that it it came to him. You know, it was, he was thinking about it and was kind of like a little bit stumped. And then in a, in a burst of inspiration, he got the idea of like, he's going to go in through the guy's eye to see what thoughts he's having. And then the explosion of that sequence to sequence then come. And it was just like, I remember that sequence from the comic book. And it was like, (laughs) and that wasn't you painstakingly doing what the writer had said you should do. You know, oftentimes the, the writer has, and then there's a battle for three pages, or then we show how, you know, oh, whatever, this thing happened. But the artist is so often the one that captures that, that really portrays the sequence of things. And the uh, it, it, So I love getting insights into people's creative processes and that sometimes they're mysterious. You know what I mean? Like just Isaac Asimov used to talk about when he was stuck on a book, He'd go to the theater and like while he was sitting watching another movie, bink, something would come into his head that would like get him to the next step, solve the problem for him. So your your subconscious is so mighty in how yeah. it's always back processing and kind of waiting for the right thing to happen. Yeah,
0: Gene is always asking me like when we're driving. So what are you thinking about? And I'm like, huh, what? And we we were watching Young Sheldon last night, and his mother was worried because he was sitting at lunch alone. And then they showed it from his viewpoint, and he's like, I love being alone. And he's imagining gravity and the world galaxies and photons and you know so exactly so uh, colin got excited because he was standing there talking to p craig russell and he got an email from neil gaiman and said hold on a second had to answer an email from neil gaiman Calls like (laughs) that was so cool (laughs)
1: exactly
0: like they were real together right there in his store that's very cool so what did he say (laughs) what does he listen to when he's drawing
1: um actually a lot of classical music and a lot That's of um, things before our time and even before his um so like from the 30s um some things that are quite old like you know all of classic goes back 400 500 years but he also listened to um what and I'm I'm embarrassed I can't remember a particular artists names but where they're um not as much rock and roll not as much amplified it's more um I don't know personal and great vocalists and great songs and melodies as compared to thrashing it out. And so I could see that, you know, and he even talked about, he has a, the perfect workspace, you know, that he had converted um, a, a second bedroom. I think he used to work, you know, where there was more interruptions and now he's got a studio that he really goes to. That is what I always do when I come up here in Skynet, you know, just my music, just everything where it's, it's within reach if I want it to be. And otherwise there's no distractions. And so it's uh, the reason he lives in Kent, you know, in Kent, Ohio was, and, and it, it, he, he, Whatever the hustle-bustle of uh, the, the coasts, it was never that attractive to him, that he needs to be in a certain frame of mind, and some of his work really is not painstaking, but it sure is detail-oriented and doesn't brook interruption well. Yeah. And so he, he's talked about, you know, I can do everything that I want, and especially the world has kind of come to his door. It used to be you had to take those pages and take them to, like, the FedEx office and hope right. to God that physically things didn't get lost or damaged in transit, and nowadays between the Ways to collaborate with his various different uh, uh the inker after him or the writer that he's working with, it's just all that much easier without him having to kind of live in an artist's garret in Manhattan somewhere, you know. That yeah. kind of thing. And so he, he chooses a, a big
0: college party town, okay?
1: <laughs> well, I, well, I guess you can be in Kent and not necessarily be on campus, you know, right? I, yeah, well, not much anymore. I mean,
0: geez, I man, compared to 20 30 years ago, Kent has changed and expanded
1: so That's much
0: expanded. yeah so. It, it
1: might be i've often thought about like you know colleen are probably, and i are probably going to be here in lakewood in retirement and so forth because it really has many things that we want but if there's anything that i was going to move for it would be to move to a college town to have a great library and great like concerts and art programs and just the vibrancy of youth you know what i mean but to just be around people that are like their life is exciting and starting and and there's cool things going on and i i like that that atmosphere fear of becoming of of trying you know what i mean instead of i don't know that i'm a nostalgic guy i don't want to like sit where it's kind of quiet and you know flies go slowly through the air i i i I do like having my own places to go to that are my quiet and so forth but to be able to just walk two blocks and have it be that. Everyone's smiling. There's a good bookstore. There's an ice cream. You know, like there's always right. a campus town that has, I guess, things that appeal to me and a college town has many, of you know, so. Right. Right.
0: <laughs> so, Well, segue speaking of yeah. college, cause uh, college, you end up reading a lot. How's that for a segue? Sure. So I, I said a couple of weeks ago, I've been reading two books and they're way different. Uh, and I wanted to point out. So this one, well, the cover fell off. Uh, Asimov Foundation.
1: Oh, oh yes. It's a classic, the trilogy.
0: And Dean Kuntz. uh, It's a Jane Hawk novel. Right. uh, I I just
1: devoured the Jane Hawk series recently. You know, I I love, I like Dean Koontz from his Mm -hmm. uh, Thomas books and various other things. And when those started to come out, it was like, okay, this is a good premise. Please go. what, What do you think? What do you think? Well, so they are absolutely
0: Polar opposite types of books. I mean, they're they're what sixty years apart in writing. They're right. two different genres, so it's interesting. I don't know why I chose those two, other than I've been wanting to read Foundation for years. And I was at talking to a guy at a indoor flea market, and he had all sorts of books, and we got talking about what do you like, and we have very similar interests. So he's like, "Well, let me tell you, read these. Read the you know." So I am like, "Cool." So Asimov, the story is hard to get into almost there's not much of a story so much because it's a it's almost snippets of history it's almost as if he's writing scenes that are important to history which is his intention yes but if you look at it from the writer's story standpoint there's not much story there and it's really hard to follow his writing is very sparse you don't get the grand descriptions and uh the narrative you know and stuff Whereas Dean Koontz, it's an action thriller. It's quick. Uh, I mean, you could read through that, and you're like, "Whoa, I just read 50 pages." Um, right. So, it, completely different feel to it. But it made me think, and this is something I've talked to some writers about. You know, that where I'm told, don't read the stuff that's old and try and write like that, because that's not what modern readers want. That's not what they're looking for. So, in that regard. I probably would think if Asimov was alive today, he probably would not be as published and as popular as he is. Uh, Cause I don't think so many people would pick up the stuff if it was new. Uh, you know, my opinion, but it's yeah, just yeah. not
1: the modern sensibilities. But so I think you're right because popularity has always been more towards maybe more action oriented or maybe more easy. Um, but Asimov and hard science fiction. There are a couple inheritors where, when you read Gregory Benford, when you you know what I mean, uh, and even like Michael Crichton, when he wrote yes. thrillers, they really weren't necessarily about people. They were about the thing and the threat right. of it. And it, he he wasn't that good of a carry the story along through your characters. And he was more about the events happening. Right. So, um, and and just so there really are some like for instance, I love. Uh, charles strass and i what i love about him is he challenges me i read a lot of um i don't know i've got a good vocabulary i've seen many plots and i understand what's going on and i often get to what's going to be happening before we get there Strauss has ideas that are surprising his vocabulary is excellent he goes down paths that are just like boy out of all the science fiction writers in the world, nobody has thought about this before. And not only thought about this, but taken it's ten steps forward and all reasonable extrapolations and complications. And he he just Um I am uh proud that I can keep up with him. Do you know what I mean? Right, right, right. With the fact that he's really got high quality. So he's the guy that I would say if you're looking for something that is truly speculative fiction, truly more hard science-based instead of You know, just, well, what if we could go faster than light? He really thinks about, well, what would that do to people, to corporations, to, you know, how would we really, would we colonize other planets? Would we, how do we, we can travel faster than light now, but the universe is vastly big. How are we going to find out even where to go to when it, so he's got all those cool questions. And, um, anyway, so he's a guy that I, that I would say some people are, um, have inherited the mantle or at least working in that same field of, bigger the stories are bigger what's going on compared to like simon r green who i really really like but his are handy they're wonderfully named characters there's lots of conflict there's lots of like a magic or murder mystery he writes in multiple genres but i don't there's nothing um wow uh my my mind was expanded by his as compared to i really had a it was a good read and i laughed right and i got scared right right and all that stuff well
0: I'll have to maybe check out Strauss and maybe I can compare them to Asimov Uh, because it's like you said, it's not horrible, but you have to like that type of stuff. I mean, I could probably name more people I know that would not like Foundation than would. It has to be a special thinking. Um, But I do appreciate how I caught on to... uh, (laughs) The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy using the encyclopedia. And I'm like, oh, this must be where he
1: was inspired. He, he was inspired. See, yeah. as I mentioned, we do our aficionados thing, or, we, or now we're done with it. You know, the AFI, American Film Institute, came out with their list of top 100 movies of all time, and we watched them from 100 down to one. And then, because while we were watching them, they came out with a version 2.0 right. list that changed 24, then we watched those as well. And the whole point of that was not only that they're really great movies, it's that if you want filmic, Education. If you want to see, man, this guy's the first guy that ever did that film effect. This is the first. This is, you know, Burgess Meredith Young. This is Jimmy Stewart Young. Great performances. What did the world think like before World War Two about how the world was? There really still were unexplored places and stuff like that. So I loved going through all those. And I don't think it's nostalgia. I think it's wonderful to get informed about what has gone before, because that way you can really appreciate when. Christopher Nolan has a particular homage in one of his movies. That's almost like scene for scene that he snagged that and said, I love this when I was growing up. So I'm going to use it here. You can go like, Oh my God, that's where that came from. And I both like that in comic books where you find if you get, you get more of the references, if you've read all the stuff leading up to it, you know what I mean? Right, it's right. very handy. Yeah. I really okay. do like Dean Koontz by the way, as well, because I think that he also has great vocabulary. He really, um, It's a great combination of moving the story forward, but giving a lot of detail so that you really get a sense of place and of person and of like, what does it see and smell? And it's like, it's very sensual. And those the Jane Hawk books. There's really a good overarching, you know, government uh, paranoia, taking over, you know, people's brains. I don't think I'm doing any spoilers here. He has Yeah. Multiple series that like the odd Thomas books were, um, I'm not sure why I liked them so much, but they really were, And especially one thing I like about his is he talks about lots of um, things that just are. And even if they're a little bit fantastic, you know, I think that I've heard it called like um, magic realism. The world Mm. is just like it is, except for maybe one or two differences. You really do have gnomes in your garden or whatever else it might be. And he's really good at that, about treating semi-magic things as Don't know why, but it just is, and here's how it might affect things, but it's not a superpower where then, hey, I'm going to take over the world because it just is some people can see into more of the spectrum or, you know what I mean, have a little bit of prescience but not be a perfect Cassandra or something like like
0: that. One of my favorite books of his is Watchers with the super intelligent dog. Yes. Um, I love that book. It's fantastic. And he, Kuntz is an interesting one too, because he had stuff published back in the seventies and he still has stuff published. So if you go read the old stuff compared to his newer stuff, he has definitely changed and he's right. grown, he's adapted. Uh, yeah. Whereas it, you can't say that with all the authors you know, I've read that have been writing for 50, 60 years. I
1: would um,
0: agree. But Kuntz, or, yeah, Kuntz definitely, Odd Thomas loved those books.
1: He definitely hasn't just churned them out. I mean, it it seems. I don't know about this, but it seems in order to keep himself interested, he doesn't just work on a series until it's done. He like works on multiple books at the same time, and as they get done, he issues them so that he gets to go. Okay, this is going to be dark and gritty, and this is going to be more lighthearted, and this is going to be you know what I mean. It's that that I the fact that he's so prolific without just being kind of a factory churning out the next book. I love that about him. I think that he still. Uh, maintains a great standard of quality while he still has 50 books out yeah (laughs) uh, the one thing with the odd thomas i would recommend
0: if you have not heard the audiobook if you've read the novel get the audiobook and check it out because i actually heard the audiobook before i read it and the guy i felt the guy that read and narrated the story captured odd thomas perfect his voice his mannerisms the way he talked so whenever i if i do read it i hear that voice in my head and it's so perfect uh
1: wonderful it's it's kind of funny because i hardly ever do like long drives and i don't tend to i when i'm at home i tend to have music as opposed to spoken word but there are some things that it's a different form of art to hear an audio book really well done that i that's something that i would want to seek out that it really enhances and adds to instead of just being a recitation. You know what I mean? So very cool. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) So
0: so anyway, but just also, just because uh, I was like, okay, uh, for some reason, I cannot read one book straight through anymore. I'm always jumping between them. So I also started, just because you, uh, one of the Spencer
1: books. Interesting. Very good. (laughs) Boy, I hope you like them because that really – it's one of those things that um Colleen's brother, my brother-in-law, recommended them. And also I think that John Sanford, and that's'm sorry, I'm, I'm wrong. he recommended John Sanford. I think I discovered the on my own. and it's one of those classics. If you're a collector, it's like, oh, there's not one. There's thirty already. right and now I get to go on the treasure hunt. And I really made a point. I have a thing about I really wanted to read them in order. So I um, sought out in used bookstores and online and whatever else it might be. Amazon makes it so easy nowadays. I was able to find everyone I wanted to read and always kind of stay ahead of, which Uh was what I have yet. I was reading these and I got to there. And they definitely are that the story uh, grows over time. Characters are introduced, people age, romance, and then not. Whatever else might be going on, It's um, they're really well done. And I, so much, my idea of like how to be a good man, how to be a, like don't, <laughs> you can't say yes and do no. Right, right. You have to have your word matter. Even right. in this compromising so many temptations, so many people looking to push you around, just to be that rock is so important. And that series really well portrays it, that.
0: Yeah, it definitely oh. uh the character, uh, you know, knowing a little bit about what Spencer is, you know, yeah. and what the story is going to be, it's kind of a crime detective novel not not heavy crime detective right. but uh I, you know you're expecting this tough guy you're expecting a st- certain stereotypes you know right. the old mike hammer type of thing exactly he is not that i i mean i'm reading this and i'm like hold on I, you know he's a, a bit snarky but right. still kind of a tough guy and the, i i did not start at book one this is one of the first times i've not done that i just said, okay, this is the one I have in front of me. So I started right. reading it. And him and uh, Susan, I think, they they right. just bought a house. I'm like, okay, this, he's, he's talking about settling down with kids. And I'm like, that is so not the picture <laughs> you think of. I'm with a these
1: hardened kids. PI. Yes, exactly. exactly. You know, yeah. shouldn't he have a, just an office up on the third floor that's got old coffee on the pot? You know, all <laughs> <Right>. that- <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun uh, reading. Uh, and, Very, I, you know, all three of those are actual paper. You know, I read so much on my Kindle now, right. uh, that it sometimes I just want to get
1: a book in my hand
0: and, and see where the bookmark is.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, Colleen often describes that as like that's an experience that doesn't need to be improved. She, right. she still lay in bed at night, you know, the last couple you know minutes, hours of our of our day are reading books. and I, and I think I mentioned in a previous podcast. Um, I hit a mother load. I had because of COVID, I hadn't been going to the bookstores for a long time. And then I discovered that not one but multiple of the series that I really liked had put out like one or two or three books. <laughs> so suddenly I had like six or seven books that I that I really was looking forward to read. Not just continue the series you're already in. So I read a whole bunch of John Sanford, both Virgil Flowers and Lucas Davenport. I read Alex Verus by uh why do I never remember his name? Jacka. Bern- Benedict. Bernard, I think it's Benedict Chaka. And and I did what you've talked about. I kind of hopped back and forth between the genres. I didn't read part way and then go to another. I really do tend to like devour to it. The, I really get right. on that train and get off the train after the ride's over, kind of. Um, but having said that, I was reading the Lycanius trilogy that Colleen had gotten for me. And they're like 800 pages each, three of them. And I must admit that I, at one point I just had, you know, I kind of need a palate cleanser. I really am. This is good stew, but boy, I've had a lot That's of right. this yeah. week. And you so- go
0: down for <laughs> breakfast the next morning and <laughs> Colleen's like, wow, what's those marks on you? Oh, I fell asleep with the book. It crushed right, exactly. me all that <laughs> That's why my nose hurts. <laughs> right. <exactly. Boom>. He's <laughs> So, so mm-hmm. uh, jumping back again, I just boom thought of this. Uh, you said you went putt-putting after... You yes. are at the
1: store. What? Where did you go for the putt-putt? Uh, it's called something like Fun Times Family okay. Fun Park. Yes, and okay. It, uh, I think it's within like maybe 30 minutes of where you are. We actually were trying to find a place called like the Birdie Hut.
0: Yeah, and, that's on 59 in between Kent and Ravenna, yes.
1: And in classic style, I put in Birdie into my GPS, not my phone, but my GPS. It took me to Birdie's Recreation, which I thought was the place – and it turns out that's like a sporting goods store in downtown Alliance or something uh. like that. But, you know, I, I laugh about this, about other people. And then I did it to myself. If all you've got is this little postage stamp device and you're not going to like look at it on the map and you're just going to trust that the the name was good enough. So we get to this place. It's not yet. It, and then we said, well, what's close mini golf to here? And that's how we discovered fun times. And I, if we haven't talked about it before, we love it. I mean, we've been all over the oh, United yeah. States, as you know, doing our state capitals thing and, there's nothing like driving along a road. And you know that if you see a castle or a lighthouse or a big dragon, we get off the road because right. you're pretty sure it's mini golf. It's just the silliest thing. I grew up loving it because we had a putt putt course in Elk Grove and me and my best friend Stu would go like they had um, all you could play eight to 12 in the morning on Saturday mornings. So we'd be there at like 759 pulling nice. up our five bucks or whatever. And it just seems like it's such a perfect leveler. It's silly. You can't you know, like be such a great putter that you're dominant. You can't care about how good you are when you're trying to like hit it past the devil frog to right. the next <laughs> lily pad. You know what I mean? I I love the ingenuity. It's very American to take a simple thing and then say, well, "What if we had a barn door opening and closing, and they got to hit it underneath?" What and if you're one of those, they got a spiral. <laughs> if you one of those pool players, it's like you know talking about
0: geometry and angles, and you, you really can map it out. It's much harder with putt-putt when you have hills and curves and you got wood here and carpet here and cement here,
1: which, you know, your your ball will bounce differently off of each. Yeah, exactly. So just even though it's a great leveler, it does benefit from having some idea of what you just talked about, like the, what's the lay of the course and how much, if I have a, a big slope, do I go high or do I go low to get the right arc that's going to take me? And if you can actually calculate that to get like regularly near the hole or even get a hole right. in one. It's kind of a cool live physics problem. You know what I mean? But you still <laughs> have to hit it with the proper force and the <laughs> right amount of force, exactly. There has to be some skill. You know, so when you see families and you know the the father's a golfer, so he's quite good, but then you see the kids just like trying it for the first time and they don't have feel for how much to apply. So either they send it into the parking lot or they dribble it forward and you can see them get better. You do get better if you apply yourself to it. Right. So Colleen and I have been playing for a long time. That really was one of the early things that we just um, like when she came out to visit me in California, we didn't do it because there weren't easy courses in San Francisco. But then as soon as we started to do any kind of travel, like on our honeymoon, we played mini golf up near Niagara Falls. And so did I once. Isn't that cool? I think we were on one that had dinosaurs, you know, Uh, we had a giraffe. There you go. (laughs) So, and she won. And so it's like, well, She's going to wear the pants in the family. She's dominant in mini golf. But like every time that we play, we're evenly matched enough that it's not dozens of strokes. We're within like three to 10 strokes. I might win more often, but if my short game is off that night, all I got to do is just rim a couple short putts and she's right there with me. And I don't know, it's, we still have fun with it. Yeah. But every time we go to a new one, it's really like, okay, so what's going on here? It's a it's a different Set of obstacles. Right. Am I going to get past the the little bumper bumpers here? Am I going to use that uh, triangle to deflect it at a right angle over onto the green? And I, I think I mentioned in my my uh, text to you this this mini golf course, Fun Times, had a par five. Yeah, goal. that's what you a said. of course has anything but twos or threes. <laughs> right, <laughs> and yet this was Satan himself that said, defended on Ravenna or whatever this place is, and said, "I'm going to make you." First, have an upper green that you gotta get in the hole, and that's not easy. And then on and maybe it's three holes, and if you hit each of these holes, this goes left, this goes right, this goes center, and so you might and you you have choices and apply skill. And so this one was a long hole and you had to go up and around, and if you got any, if you hit the rough, it slows you down, so you're not gonna make it around the curve. It and you know, if you do a little concrete barrier that's all even, you can kind of count on rolling through it. If you do bricks, every single one of those little tiny brick juts sticking out into the path can like stop your ball or at least deflect it so you lose all your momentum. And of course, we encountered every single one of those devious (laughs) things that this course designer had done. My most hated but laughable feature is where they have the the final hole is a volcano that you don't roll into it. You got to go roll up it and into it. And so you can't, so if you go either left or right, it'll veer you off to left or right. If you, if you do too much, you'll hop over the hole and go down the other side. So I can't tell you how much I've been right at the volcano in one stroke and then spent three or four strokes getting into the gosh darn cinder cone. <laughs> because I, I'm, I'm in control. I really am trying hard. And yet sometimes they just designed it so that it's perfectly Wrong for me. Right. I don't know. It's, it's well, hilarious. <laughs> the,
0: the first time I think I ever played putt putt was with a buddy up in uh Toronto, I think. Okay. Toronto or Ontario, one of those. Yeah. And it, we were 15. I went on vacation with his family. And it was, I mean, you probably wouldn't do this now, but his parents said, Well, we're taking the young ones. We're going off over here. See you guys at lunch. We'll pay for it if you show up. If you don't, you're on your own. Okay. And we were left in the city. There's a few other stories. But so we found a putt-putt. We're like, yeah, let's play. We had never played putt-putt before, but we knew golf from TV, you know, four. And, you know, we knew that. Right. So, oh, yeah. So our first couple of balls, we hit over the fence and hit the train. That we by. <laughs> um, so we had to go get new balls. And that was, you know, <laughs> right. but I, I so remember that because, you know, of course, my buddy, Eric, we always got in trouble and had a great time doing it. Yeah. So yeah, last year for... Mother's Day, Father's Day or something. We, the whole family went. But it was right after Gina's knee surgery. So we didn't end up staying the whole
1: time. But yeah, still yeah. like to go to putt-putt. Yeah. Another thing that I love doing with Colleen and I, and especially what we often play with, and so it's four or six people, is we play full contact you know, mini golf. <laughs> you don't go by yourself and finish out the hole you get everybody gets their first stroke, yes, yes. if you happen to be bonked by another ball, then you get hit. Sometimes you had a good line, you get sent off to the side. Yeah. Sometimes you're in the way of the really good hole-in-one shot, so they're going to have to hit you. And I just love the silliness. It's not like croquet yeah. where you put your foot down and send the guy. Right, but right. Think a little bit of chaos. That little bit of I didn't mean to get in her way, but I'm not. It, you don't move it. You don't like spot the ball like you would in real golf and move your ball out of the way it's part of the course. It's part right. of what's going on. Yeah. Well, you know,
0: we do that with our family and then nobody cares about making the hole is just revenge on the person that you <laughs> all the way <laughs> last time. The water and stuff. <laughs> okay, there. well, I got a 22, so we're good on that hole. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, there's a whole, there's a wonderful series around Cleveland that we regularly go to over the course of the summer. We'll make it to at least a half dozen that we've loved playing. So it's buzzer Roost and it's family fun times and it's swings and things and whatever else it oh, might yeah. be. Yeah. And they have like this one is a mountain of mini golf. You got to go up the, the mountain and this one has a river that runs through it. So uh, I love things like that where there really is, oh, I went into the water. You got to get the pole with the little basket and fish your pole. <laughs> it's floating luckily instead of being down at the bottom. But there's just something very funny about, and it's actually, it's kind of beautiful. They designed this course to have the integrated stream and little bridges over it and whatever other hazards some places really do have sand some places have rougher carpet you know most of it is like astroturf nice and slick and then they'll have shag astroturf and if you go with that you just grind to a halt i i just love the ingenuity of it it's yeah. cool that they know how to do this it, it's so.
0: definitely uh the the ones that are really good with all the different things for each hole and you know right. they really put time into it those are so much fun you get the ones that kind of like call it in where it's just the AstroTurf and it's maybe a hill and there's nothing else there. It's like
1: yeah, yeah. kind yeah, of boring. I love things where there's moving parts. You have like yeah. what I always call the windmill of doom. Yeah. <laughs> you got to go through and the blades are rotating and you got to time it. Cause it's amazing how often you really think you're timing it. And then just as you're trying to go through you, boom, um, you hit the li- and stop right there, yeah. they got barn doors and they got, like I said, it they're boy, I, I hope you don't mind me going on, but it's like, there's, Chicago had a really cool thing where in, uh, at Navy Pier, they had artists from the city design mini golf poles. So they'd have this combined course of all their works. And it was open for like charity, you know, for a, a summer or something like that. But it was, hit your ball into the base of the John Hancock building. There's a little perpetual elevator that takes you to the top and drops you out. And and there was one, you know, here's the front of the Museum of Science and Industry. Here's, they had, of course, incorporated all the various different cool Chicago um, famous things, the Leading Tower of Pisa that is a replicate over at a YMCA in Park Ridge or wherever else it is, maybe Skokie. And it was just so much like all the love, all the work that went into this. And of course, everybody was asking, like, so it's only here for the summer. You're not going to just trash it, right? Apparently, they did indeed kind of uproot it from there and put it over in a building. Uh, in the north, uh, so, like near north side. And I think it's still there, but it's like nice. they created art. You don't want to just say, well, it was ephemeral art. We just trashed it. I, I love that um, enough people had played mini golf. It was like, sure, I'll do a hole. I'll have you hit the lion's mouth and then I'll. <laughs> right. I, I Anyway. <laughs> that sounds cool. I, I'd, I'd love to
0: see something like that. And yeah, you know, different. I Gosh, you just got me thinking because we like, we were just saying last night. We, we love to do our movies on the side of the house, but with everything going on, we haven't done any. I mean, it, and I'm like, Ugh. but we like to do some that are like kid based. Cause we have friends still that have young kids, you know, bring your kids over. I'm like, you know what? I bet somebody sells like a backyard mini golf set. And I bet we could set up a small course to play before the movie for the kids. I'm like, that would be awesome.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. Well, I like,
0: <laughs> always. You, something.
1: One of our, we were in, um, reno for the immense annual gathering and we were going to go to carson city because that's one of the state capitals and then we circled lake tahoe uh you know out out of our extra couple days of vacation we found a mini golf course that was like 80 years old so it really had beautiful grounds bushes overgrown their thing was they had every single golf ball was hand painted this is an eyeball this is the world this is a basketball and you got to choose to select out of this vast array and I, it just it's everybody has their little quirk we had another one it's in downtown Erie, pennsylvania where they have spinners at the start of each hole and the spinner is something like um play left-handed or shoot between your legs oh Or man. um uh, you know what i mean like uh if you get a hole in one the, i don't know i they had they were amazingly creative and all the various different variations and devil trees that they came up with they would add to the the goofiness of the game. So that was kind of fun too, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I I like what you said earlier too, uh, how you went to find it and you you, found it on GPS and showed up completely somewhere else. I'm glad to know I'm not the only one with that trait that like drives all (laughs) over the place. Gina calls him one of our adventures. (laughs)
1: Uh, You know, I got to tell you, I've had um, Colleen and I are together for 20 years now, but I had a life before Colleen and I've had uh, girlfriends. Uh, uh, good or bad about whether they didn't mind, Hey, we're going to go find this thing. And I'm not sure exactly where it is, but you know, I remember there being a really good uh, uh, chocolate shop in downtown. I think it's Mattoon or Mantino, Illinois. And so we're just going to go look. And some people loved that adventure. And some people were like, no, 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 we're going to look it up and we're going to get the map and we're going to not get lost. So whatever that thing is about getting lost or not, or, being purposeful or not. I've had people in my life that were kind of like at ends of the spectrum instead of just being somewhere in the middle. And of course, I've had so much fun with the discovered fun of, well, we were going for this. We were looking for this great Italian place. And then, oh God, it was closed. We did find it, but it was closed. But luckily there was a great bookstore nearby. We would have found this bookstore if we wouldn't have gone looking for Salvatore's. Sorry that you know I didn't know it was closed, but I didn't just like Dwell on the disappointment. it was more like, okay, so what? What? What are we going to do now? This enjoy is enjoy you know... the adventure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: okay, something real quick to switch over to. I don't. I, we, we didn't even discuss about this, but it's something I thought you should know. Uh, that Microsoft has announced Windows 11 is mm-hmm. going to start rolling out.
1: Um, After they had said for a long time that Windows 10 was the last.
0: Well, didn't they say that about eight? Also. <laughs>
1: you might be right exactly <laughs> yeah, it,
0: it, yeah but i whatever they can that's marketing who cares
1: um okay. but uh
0: i it's interesting cuz they said windows 10 users would be able to get windows 11 for free i was okay. like that's pretty cool um one of the things problems and i see i know people go bitch about it but you know uh Apple is in a different they've upgraded and changed. So not all the old stuff necessarily is compatible and they're doing right. part of that, that on purpose.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so windows 11, they're really focusing on security, the ransomware and and stuff like that, especially. I was going
1: to ask if that was the reason that they decided to do it because the world has not gotten safer. It's gotten even more yes. intrusive and devil. Okay. All yeah. right.
0: And they, I mean, they've got multiple <clears> security <throat> things that they touted and talked about all of which are needed. But for some of them, you actually have to have certain hardware in your machine. So okay. it won't even install on my current machine. So I've been talking about upgrading. Guess what? <laughs> I'm going to upgrade.
1: That'll be the thing that finally, you know, like that's, I, uh, Apple has, like you said, made the same things, you know, there's the newest machines have the secure enclave. They really do have on the chip where you really can have known it tracks activity it won't let bad things happen it has a memory uh, partitioned memory so that it won't let you won't let things take over all that kind of stuff we're getting to that that the combination of software and hardware has to be mated and really powerfully mated to not have all the intrusions because boy the hackers the, the crackers are really really good at what they do yeah especially when you're a 13 year old boy looking to make his bones in you know eastern european countries they got nothing but time on their hands. Right. They got nothing but right. really in their and, head.
0: And so. really, Windows 10 has been around eight years, ten years. I okay. mean, that's pretty good long time. But I know people are going to complain. Oh, they're forcing us to upgrade. They're well, you know what? You can't ask for new things and ask for it to be more secure, and then complain when they force you to to change. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. I and agree. you know, I I know Apple kind of does the same thing. The difference is Apple limits their hardware. You know, you buy Apple hardware and this is what's in it. Whereas Microsoft, well, go to the store and you could pick out of 300 things, but they're still trying to make it work with, with everything. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. you know, there's good and bad on both ways. Uh, I just think people don't understand what they're asking for and what they're getting, you know. So. Yeah. But I'm excited, Uh, you know, of of course, a new OS coming out. (laughs)
1: You're always like, ooh, something fun. Exactly. It's funny. You know, I I always um, read the tutorials. I always look at what the new features are, both hardware and software. And I'd say that I probably adopt half. Some of the things are just like, they're new about how you do um, photos on your phone. And I tend to not be the guy that's going to take a photo and then do a whole bunch of treatments to it and then post it on Instagram because now it's perfect. I, I just don't. I don't have that love affair with making it like different tints and even better than what i took i just like that i captured the cool memory of it and there's a so having said that i i like the fact that i keep improving it i just don't feel obligated to always be the most current there are some things like i said about reading a book in bed that experience doesn't have to be improved you know the, the worst operating systems upgrades that i've gone through have been where Things that I really were like in your finger memory, you know, just where things are on the keyboard, you know, just what you want to do in the menus. And then they deprecate it. They actually get rid of it or they change it into something that, and, and sometimes it's not as good. It really is, wow, that's now three steps instead of one. Or right. it's not where I would have expected it to be. And I liked your previous logic that this was the grouping of functionality or whatever else it might be. So um, we'll have to see. Yeah. I, I I regularly... I get used to the best of the shortcuts because I really like saving time. I don't want to be <laughs> the guy that's still doing a you know, a particular keyboard press if there's now a better way to do that. Right. But I like I don't know, I don't usually talk to my computer. There's all kinds of great voice recognition nowadays, and yet I haven't got an Alexa or a Siri or any of the, the balls, you know, that let me talk to them and ask them what the weather is and what the sports right. cars are. I just I don't know, whatever this thing, a mind melt that I get when I want to go into flow of how I mouse around and type, that really works well for me. And I think that voice would not only be a little bit interruptive, it would actually be, wow, am I I'm talking over my own music? Or, I, I don't know, I, I tend to not talk to myself. Some people that comes very naturally, whereas I tend to talk to people. I don't think of my computer as a person, and so there's some weird... Barrier in my mind. There's a disconnect there that you know, just your old. I, I guess. <laughs> I guess. But, yeah. But you know, it's funny. when I don't think I am. When I see right. the, the oh, things hey. that people are doing, I'm often more current than all kinds of kids <laughs> that are telling me, hey, yeah. we'll, and move aside. It's like, <laughs> you might have picked a better target this time because I could fucking run rings around. Right. Yeah.
0: Sometimes <laughs> it's not even worth it. So I, I'm looking at a really. Next six to eight months, exciting technology time. Uh, Because I think I told you I upgraded my watch because Prime Days had a sale. We we should compare Apple and Fitbit and see what all the features are for anyone that's interested.
1: And you got the cool Fire for like a really good price, right? Yeah, I got a
0: new Fire. But (laughs) so I'm going to take this current PC and it's going to be my DVR. It's going to contain, uh, you know, set up to record the shows.
1: Uh, the media server, as they say, Yes, said. Okay. is exactly what it's going to
0: be. So then I'm going to have a new, a, a new desktop. But I'm looking to probably get a new laptop uh, to go mm-hmm. with all that. So I'm going to take this current one, which isn't dead, and put Linux on it. Uh, so it's just a whole lot of... Fun changes yeah. coming up, and that's
1: the thing is it's not like oh no I got to do this more like cool I get to right, experiment exactly. with the new Linux so I get <laughs> well, to, I love I, that stuff I don't have know? a
0: choice I'm being forced I
1: guess I got to upgrade <laughs> exactly <laughs> so we'll we'll see money is tight for us for like this and next quarter because the garage as you might imagine uh, yeah. is, is there's been just enough it's kind of funny it's not so much that the garage has run over as in while we've been building the garage we had a windshield crack we had our our water heater needed to be replaced. Uh, we had to get upgraded the electrical system into our house. And each of those things has been like, okay, Iron Ration, you're getting a little more tinny, <laughs> right. a little more thin. So I'm going to have to put off, you know, like usually for Colleen's birthday and my birthday, July, August, we um get gifties for each other. And we're trying to be kind of more in control about that. Maybe come fourth quarter into the holidays, that's what I'll be looking at. Well, is there now a big holiday sale? And I can right. get the yeah. new Apple Watch that I've been looking at or whatever else it might. My- so right, right. I'll, I'll live vicariously through your adventures in cool new tech, <laughs> right? And well, exactly. I, things are so inexpensive nowadays that it's kind of cool. I don't know that I need to put off necessarily always buying a new three hundred dollar device. That doesn't I, seem to be out of reach for. I just want it. You know what I mean? So, right? Yeah, and you know, I, I'm
0: I'm going to really look because yeah. this PC that I'm using. I put it all together. You know, I went to Micro Center. I picked out every part, uh, put it all together, and you know, it yeah. was pretty top of the line. I mean, even though it's funny because it was pretty much a gaming machine, but the video card wasn't a gaming video card. It was a slightly lesser model, just okay. because I don't need all the high end graphics for the games. But I wanted the better memory. I wanted a better hard drive, a slightly yeah. faster bus in the pro in the. Uh, board you know people exactly. miss those things like oh i got a fast processor but i put it on a two dollar board with a slow exactly.
1: bus a, a dirt road instead of a highway yeah. for my data transfer exactly and I, I
0: spent 1500 on the processor so i only got four gigs of ram and you know it's like you know okay. you, you messed up
1: <laughs> yeah you know i i think i might have recommended before i subscribe to a magazine called maximum pc right that is fantastic about comparing between all those various different components and they have you know each, each month, they have the um, uh, cheap, medium, and expensive build. And it's amazing the amount of power that you can get nowadays by, as you said, choosing your own components, choosing wisely. And for less than $500 here, for less than $1,000 here, you can still have a really great rig right. if you're willing to do a little bit of soldering, a little bit of, okay, I made sure that that is fully seated. You know what I mean? It, 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 you know, you'll have fun doing that. It's, yeah. um...
0: eh, you know, but I mean, there's still the flip side. I was helping one of the kids look at laptops and I was looking at all the PCs. I'm like, you know, I could just come in and buy this three or $400 PC. It's got all parts better than what I've got right now. If it runs for a couple of years and I voiced it off onto somebody, I come and buy another one. know, It's that weird, the technology, the prices, you get so much for so little now. That it's almost like too much work to build your own
1: sometimes, you know. Yeah, the, you don't mind the, the somebody else did all the work of doing it, and there's no possibility of error. It rolled out with no right. perfection. So it, it really is now that hobbyist computing is kind of back to way long ago what it was. And you <laughs> yeah. only do it when you really want to. You don't have to anymore.
0: Right, you and even like saying? go to some place like Dell, and you still get so many customizations, and then boom, it's that's, that's right. You, you don't
1: buy it off the shelf. You ch- check boxes as to. <laughs> How much memory <laughs> size hard drive? Do you want an SSD or a all, all that stuff? That's exactly
0: yeah, I don't know. So we'll see what happens. But I'm interested to find out all the new features because I know they're really, really trying to tie Windows and Xbox together so that if I buy a game and I play it on my Xbox, I can also play it on Windows. I automatically have it. And the saves transfer because it's the same basic platform underneath. So yeah. that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. You know, that uh, uh, a limitation of mine is I've always been much more of a computer gamer and not that much a video gamer. So I really am just way behind, if not oblivious to the various <laughs> generations of Xbox and PlayStation and NES. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. just, it. Uh, I've always, you read about them a lot and so you become aware. And so once in a while there's a title like, oh, I really wouldn't mind trying that out. And yet I tend not to like, as many twitch games you know like i'm not so much into grand theft auto where i want to have my controller and i'm zooming around and stuff i tend to do more i don't know dungeon crawl right, games. Right, i'm not necessarily knows. that and big god games like civilization i i like my computer rig and kind of i do what i want to do up here and then when i'm done i don't go to the tv and do more i'm <laughs> kind of like then watching passively more it's interesting i just somehow like i I knew that I had a bit of an addictive personality. And instead of finding a way to service that addiction in every environment, I've been able to kind of relegate parts of my life to not do those things all the time. I think it's been healthy for me, you know? So maybe that's also where I continue to read books is as opposed to always having a computer in my hands and always having the glow of the screen. It's nice to take a step back to analog. You know what I mean? I I
0: I was, you know, in the nineties, PC gaming. I mean, I had some old game systems, and that was always the thing. I kept some of the old systems, didn't sure. buy it new, but I played on PC. Then when I started to have kids, it was easier to go back to the console and sit with the controllers and play on the console and the games they knew about and their friends yeah. knew about. So, you know, all that. And so I I got into that a little more. And now I, I hardly ever play an Xbox game. Sometimes I'll flip it on, and I've got certain games I really like on exactly. there. Uh, but I've also got a lot on the uh, PC. I mean, I got a lot of GOG. I got quite a few Steam games. Oh, look, they're having a sale. Now I own
1: 300 Star Wars games. <laughs> it has become, unfortunately, much like that, both GOG and Steam. I must have two dozen games that I've not played yet because they come on for sale for like 397. Yeah. Why would I not throw That's four That's cheaper bucks? than a Starbucks latte. <laughs> yes. So I really do have, you know, I have the barge tail for nostalgia. I have all the various different Icewind Dale, and yep. I, I could even start naming them. It's it's funny. I I tend to one of the things I like to do once in a while. Like maybe they're here. There's a big weekend coming up, Fourth of July weekend. We don't have any plans. We're not we're going. We're not going to have a cookout. Go anywhere for cookout. It really would be funny to like Friday night after Colleen has uh, we've we've had dinner together, Watched a little bit of TV, you know, cuddled. If she's going to go to sleep and I'm still awake. I'm going to come up and crank up one of those games and just fall into it. And if I do it until three, four, five in the morning, it'll be a return to college, a return yeah, to, yeah. you know, I let the game take me. And that's what I want is a weekend where I could do that without worrying about it. Right. You know? and, and that's, <laughs> you know,
0: we, we talk about this like, oh man, some games on sale for $2 at GOG. I, I used to love that game. And I got, sometimes I, I went, I find all the games I used to really like and I, I whitelist them and I wait for a sale. Because yes. even if I don't play it right away, even if I don't ever play through it all the way, so there are those times that I'm like, man, I just really love to play Icewind Dale and I'll just get on for a couple hours and play. And then I, or, or the big one for me was uh, the original Warcraft or Orcs versus Humans. Oh, tower yeah. defense style, uh, nothing like the MMO they have now. Right. But I couldn't play it for the longest time because it was old and they hadn't up, you know, re-released it. So right. I, I actually, for a while, I had a virtual machine I had set up of a Windows 98 machine, and I found an old disk and I installed it to play it. But now it's at GOG. So I'm like, yep, I'm, you know, I got it at GOG. And I actually do load it up and play it at times. And, man, I'm stuck on this one board. I'm like, how did I get through this the first time? Right, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we have laughed before about how many parallels we have. I played Civilization three. Uh, under emulation of Windows 98 (laughs) on my Mac and making sure that I really set it so that it would be just, you know, it had to go back that far to be perfectly compatible. It had to be able to read, like, this is one of the CDs where it had the um, locked sector. Yeah, yeah. It had to be able to read that. And so when that was, like, just one upgrade too many and it wasn't working anymore, thank God they came out with not only Civilization six and the latest versions, but they had back-fixed it yes. Civilization 3, so that that, to me, is like a perfect game. Just the right... Uh, the, 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 everything about it. The graphics are not perfect, but they're good enough. And the pacing of it, and the the Civilization tree, the advancements in, uh, of technology and stuff. And that's just one of those things where if I want to go lose myself in a game for four hours, I don't go to all the most current, I'm glad yeah. that that guy still hasn't become abandoned where because I have all kinds of other things that it'll, it was never popular enough that it will never get updated. I don't even know who is the source code in a vault somewhere. Right. I kind of doubt it. I think it's just it's died like with gone. the creator. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: So- and, and it's, and, and, you know, I know my kids, they don't get this, you know, they're like, Oh, some new version of this is coming out. We got to get that. We got. I'm like, oh well, have you finished the old one or played all? No, no. But the new yeah. one, we got to have the new one, the newest one, the best one, the best one it's best. <laughs> I'm like, I'm I'm good with playing Doom from '93 still, you know. I, I yes. still enjoy it, uh, you know. And I'm the same way with like a Sim City. There's certain versions of Sim City which I'll load up and play, even though it's five or six versions behind. Right, and
1: because actually, the newer versions are kind of like too loaded. The newer versions are like too loaded. They're, there's too yeah. much going on. I yeah. don't want that level of complexity. Yeah.
0: But I did just see an ad on Facebook, of course, uh, that was sim city with like 37 (laughs) expansions or whatever it was on sale for five bucks or whatever and i'm like yeah you know i might maybe i'll check that out you know just see is it the newest it's like a couple years old and i'm like i don't know maybe (laughs) so all right yeah it's getting late we
1: we actually have things we got to get going for so got it so uh uh let's see Previews for coming episodes. We are going to start doing maybe some lists.
0: Yes. And I started that. I've
1: got. What's our, I, I, it's kind of funny. Without even trying hard, I have like, you know, my, the top 10 list we talked about doing. I'm about 30. I got about 20 bands and I got too many albums per band. Okay? Right. So we'll have to find ways to make our lists so specific that they don't just overflow the container. Right, <laughs> right. Again. Yeah.
0: We'll, we'll have to put them up on the, the, website and we'll have to like link it to spotify and stuff
1: too exactly that you know some actual web content that like you know will help other people go down the rabbit hole with yes so, yes okay. yes all right so, always a pleasure Stephen. yep have Care. a
0: great fourth of july tell Colleen we said hi same
1: for you hold on to all your fingers there my friend don't uh yeah know. <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay all right later Bye. you have been listening to the relentless geekery
0: podcast come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.